0: This is the Cherished You podcast. I am your host, Rama. This is an evergreen content warning. Um, This podcast talks a lot about abuse and uh, trauma and surviving from both. Uh, We talk about narcissistic abuse. So please understand that if you are not comfortable with talking about those things and your mental health openly and honestly, maybe with not, uh, so much polish, uh, this may not be the space for you. Also understand that, uh, this, this podcast also tackles, uh, societal issues of racism, capitalism, um, patriarchy, misogyny, whiteness. So if any of these, I, um, these topics trigger you, please feel free to leave this space and, um, without comment, (laughs) And without any vitriol, um, and that is perfectly fine for both you and I. Thank you. Welcome back, guys. So in this episode, I'm going to um, kind of expand on the last one. So in my last episode, I was uh, talking about how I was coming out of a trauma bond, bond. I was breaking up with the trauma bond, and how I am um, how like that whole process kind of felt for me having done it, uh, having been going through it for the second time around. And in this episode, I really want to just focus on, um, the actual lessons that I learned from both, um, kind of like the, the end of like, kind of like, moving toward, you know, the end of the process of like moving through the, a breakup and like how, when in the sense of a trauma bond, how, what that looks like as far as what am I taking out of it? What, um, what lessons I've learned and how, how I'm going to use both experiences, both separately and together to kind of guide my decisions going forward. And And I guess, I mean, mean, it it keeps coming back around to like the overall lessons that I learned and how I can do better in romantic relationships going forward. Um, And the reason I have to specify romantic relationships, because um, one thing, um, and I'll expand on this as I go a little bit further, is that at, at the end of this second one, what I've learned most importantly is that I have healthy relationships in other areas of my life Um, and I think that's why in romantic relationships when they're not healthy they're there's such a big juxtaposition for me personally in um, trying to reconcile the the two Ramas that show up because in a healthy relationship I show up very differently than if I am in a inconsistent, unhealthy, toxic relationship for me. Um, One thing I do want to specify as a side note is that what is unhealthy for me now would have been healthy for me 10 years ago. Because comparatively speaking, it's less toxic now than it was then. It's just my tolerance and my own health, as far as internally speaking, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I am different. So my tolerance for what is unhealthy is also different. And in my case, it's very, very little. I really don't tolerate a lot as far as unhealthy behaviors, unhealthy patterns. And the only area in my life that I make allowances for more than I am willing in um, as far as Unhealthiness or toxicity is um, is in romantic relationships. In the other areas of my life, um, I have managed to o- over time. I've managed to create um, healthy dynamics throughout. And if I, if there is if after multiple attempts they're not able to become um, as healthy as I would like them to be, in order for me to function properly in those relationships, I remove myself, and I've that is a really big difference for me. So now it's for it's For me, it, this whole process over the last few weeks has been about really understanding why I make an, I, I, why I allow myself into unhealthy patterns in romantic relationships and how I can use my last two relationships to really kind of make sure that going forward, I am not making those, A, not making those mistakes again and B, um, how much, like how much to allow before it's too much, because I do understand that, um, no one's going to come into it perfect because even I am not perfect. So it's, this this isn't just incumbent on the other person. This is incumbent on me as well. I don't show up perfectly, but am I doing everything in my power to hold myself accountable? And is the other person at the very least able to match me on that? And that's, um, I guess that's a bit of a spoiler, but that is um, one of the lessons that's coming out of all this. Um, So anyway, I have, um, yeah, I have a history of two trauma bonds. The first one was um, a six and a half year relationship with somebody I never saw a future with. Um, even I, even though I was with them for that, that amount of time, it, there was, um, I knew from the get that it was never gonna amount to marriage. It was never going to end up there. It was never gonna, I was never gonna have kids with him. Um, I was never gonna get married to him. And, I knew all of that going into it. Um, w- what happened slowly, and this is a, a common theme that I've seen. I mean, I have I have two instances to think of this in, but um, with these in these last two relationships, what's really funny is that early on, and I mean like months in cut three, maybe six months tops in, I was very hell bent on getting out of the situation. And in my, in my first trauma bond, I actually did, I actually did effectively break up with him. Um, and we weren't even really a couple. It was just whatever, you know, our, our situation, I guess the term would be situationship. Um, the I I I wanted to break it off because at the time I knew that I wanted some I, I wanted to be in a relationship that would have that would allow me to be married and have kids and I I needed that context for for both of those things um, for if in order for me to have kids I needed I, I wanted to be married that's just my personal view it is not, I am not I never put that on anybody else I don't hold anybody not having kids out of um outside of marriage that's it's just not my thing but if that's your thing that's totally fine. Um, but I knew about you know six months in that I really wanted to be in a relationship that would lead to that. And I knew it wasn't going to be with this person. This person came back to me and wanted to try to have a relationship. And I agreed at the time. And I wasn't like super young. I was 26, 27, I want to say. Um, but I also um I agreed to kind of not come off as mean. Um, i I do remember the that conversation. I do remember what I was feeling, and I had just started on my spiritual journey at that point and in my own healing journey as far as from from narcissism at that point. so I was really really I was really going through a lot and I should have just kind of stuck to my guns and been like, you know what? I I really don't have the capacity to be in a relationship right now. And what happened over time is that as I started working on my, uh, on my history of abuse from, from my mother, I was kind of stuck in this very, um, the best way to describe that relationship was that it was very lackluster. There was really nothing there. It was just kind of two people who saw each other and spent some time together, but we really didn't have a lot to talk about. Um, I remember that distinctly, that we really didn't have a lot to say. We spent a lot of time just hanging out in front of the TV or having sex. It was, you know, it was one of those things. And... Um, And I really didn't understand what I was doing there, but it was low maintenance enough that it let me focus on myself without having to feel like I had to answer to anybody else. And because I was working through so much of my stuff around um, my mother, which who was this overbearing, ever-present person in my life at that point, um, I guess having a non-committal, committed relationship was – what felt like, I, I guess it was really, honestly, it was like something was better than nothing. And again, in retrospect, that mindset is, is really sad, but there are certain stages you go through and you're healing. And this is, this was one of them for me. Um, all of that being said, I stayed in that a lot longer than necessary because I think over time it, you get used to people you get used to someone um we had ended up moving in together and I lived with him for a while and he had some serious drug issues that eventually ended up um forcing us like we, we had to end up leaving um Chicago, and then ended up moving to Colorado. And then it was in Colorado, where I just kind of had 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 it. And there was multiple uh, episodes of cheating that I, I stayed through the first one that I knew about. And the second one I wasn't tolerating, um, helped him through rehab for heroin. And then I just after when he started on meth, I was like, I cannot do this again. And I didn't take that as a personal indictment like I don't think I got any awards if I stayed through another round of rehab especially if the other person isn't willing to show up for themselves like I can't show up for you and do your work for you at the end of the day you have to do the work for yourself so when I ended up leaving um, and really I ended up kicking him out and um, I, I I don't actually have much uh, knowledge of what happened to him after like a few months I knew he stuck around in Colorado for a while and then he left I think um but when I um I knew that this was not going to be a relationship that was going to work out I don't have any real reasons for staying other than like again it was something was better than nothing um, he had a lot of the characteristics of my father, the very distant relationship, the lack of stuff to talk about. Cause me, me and my father, we really didn't have a lot in common, um, growing up. And I remember that I learned baseball because my dad would watch baseball. And if I asked him questions about baseball, he would be talking to me. And that was literally how I got into watching sports. Turned out I turned I I happened to like sports independently. I, I think after a while, I learned other sports all on my own. But I learned baseball to be able to have something to talk about with my dad. I didn't have anything really to talk about with this trauma bond that I had. And for six and a half years, I put myself through, um, the first three or four years were really, um, like there was just no emotional connection, really. It was just an attachment. Um, that's really all it was. And after that, there was, um, there was a cheating and then the also the financial inability for me to leave. That's also a big part of it. I was not in a financial situation where I could have been able to afford living on my own at that time. And I was um, working full time, but I wasn't making enough money or I didn't know how to manage my money either at the time. So this is where like money trauma gets stuck into all of this too, into the same trauma bond. And I wasn't actually financial able financially able to leave um, and to live on my own, and it wasn't until um, I got to Colorado and I was able to kind of get my my feet underneath myself financially that even when I when I found out that he was cheating on me again and that and there were more drugs involved that I was able to be like you know what I really don't need to deal with this anymore because I can handle the money stuff on my own, and that was a big reason why I was able to leave and I think that's true for a lot of people I think that we end up in relationships where we start off okay on our own but um, over time if you're not hyper vigilant and taking care of your side of the street and when I had started seeing this person you know when I was like 26 27 years old I was still in school and I didn't, um, I didn't know how to handle my money yet. And I didn't know how to, um, make enough money on my own in order to support myself at the time. Um, and that made things harder. It was easier to live with him and, you know, split the rent, split the bills. Everything would be split versus doing it on your own, even though this person is you're absolutely sure is not, um, a, a healthy person for you to be around. Even at that point in my, in my journey, I knew that that was true. Um, but you stick around and then, um, stuff comes up and you feel like, like when I, when I first found out he was cheating, I found, I felt like I deserved it, that this was something I had to learn how to deal with. So I put myself through it anyway, but, um, it just, I learned that I could withstand a lot, that I'm very resilient, but that I put—I also have a habit of putting myself or keeping myself in situations where I don't need to be. Eventually, when when that one ended, I um, I stayed single for a long time, and that was um, also during the period where my mother came back into my life, kind of in her previous force. There was a period of time right before then that she wasn't, and then she kind of came back. And while this, the first trauma bond was very similar to my relationship with my father. And there was a lot of trying to get this emotionally shut off person to love me. Um, that happened a lot. That was a lot of the dynamic in that trauma bond after being single for a while and thought that I had kind of had my shit kind of handled, but what was going on underneath was me having to, me reattaching to my mom and then severing that attachment and the relationship altogether when I went no contact with her. And then go, kind of really kind of tripping into a relationship, not intentionally at all, again, with someone who triggered all of the trauma from my mom. So the first trauma one was a lot with my dad. And then the second one, which came right at the heels of me going no contact with my parents, but mostly it was with my mother. And then moving into a relationship with someone whose habits and personality and kind of quirks all reminded me of my mother, all triggered all of my mom crap. And what's fascinating to me, like looking at it, like, you know, in retrospect and kind of trying to zoom out and look at the whole picture is that we really do, um, replay out our childhood trauma with our romantic relationships in particular. And again, like this over the course of this whole period, like I've been working on having healthier relationships in other areas of my life, work and friends and acquaintances and all that, and trying, you know, inadvertently working on boundaries, um, you know, spending a lot of time by myself, I'm very comfortable being with my, with myself, but also seeing that in, in a romantic context, context, I do tend to play out the dynamics I had with my parents, um, you know, individually for the most part. And in this last one, what I finally realized is that the other person really is kind of the least important part of a trauma bond because the trauma was within me, the healing had to happen within me now yes there's other person is a conduit they are the messenger for all of your crap that's coming up to the surface and the thing is like while i didn't i can't say that i acted perfectly in every instant i i i, I remember m- multiple times where i felt like in fights or in um my thoughts around certain things. I could hear my mother's voice. I could feel my mother's energy. Um, and I felt taken back to those instances as, as a kid or a young adult with my mom and kind of replaying that out with this person who really, you know, I don't think they deserved it, but we all kind of serve as, um, each other's you know, I guess um, we we kind of serve as each other's healers in some way and teachers. And what I learned is that I really have a habit around people who you know, who trigger me with my mom stuff to gaslight myself to ignore the the signs and symptoms that my body is giving me, um, to ignore the knowledge that I gain when I'm quiet, um, to ignore my needs and wants in order to please this other person who really to my brain is just my mother. And it's not this person's responsibility to mother me. It's not this person's responsibility to, sh- um, to necessarily show up for me in ways that they're not able to. But what I did learn is that people will tell you, either with their words or with their actions or both, if you're paying attention, what they're able to do and what they're not able to do. And if you're not acting from a trauma place, which I, you know, in other relationships I don't, I'm able to take that at face value and, you know, move on from there but in a trauma bond I am hell-bent on trying to convince this person to show up for me in the way that I need them to when it's very clear that they're that that's just not how they're built for whatever reason the reason their reason is irrelevant but my reason is I need you to love me in this way to prove that I was lovable by this by my parent that you remind me of And I hope, I hope this stuff makes sense because it's, um, I've tried, like, I have a lot of bullet points written down that I'm kind of moving through. And it is a little bit all over the place, I feel like. So hopefully this makes sense to whoever it's supposed to make sense to. Um, The thing with the, the biggest lesson I've learned after the last, you know, these last two trauma bonds is the amount of times that I will unconvince myself of what I know. Even with proof, I will unconvince myself of what I know. And that really does just comes down to not being validated as a kid by my parents, but mostly my mom. And even though I work really hard on validating myself on a day-to-day basis, on a moment-to-moment basis sometimes, um, these big moments where it is um, physically painful to relive the invalidation I felt as a child. There is physical pain involved. Like It is emotionally painful, but there is actual physical symptoms I experience um, that is most definitely my inner child being rejected by her mother. And I think over time, what I've learned and I think with the work that I've done is that our trauma will show up for us in ways that make it most effective for us to finally integrate it and move through it and then live without it as much as we can um i have a lot more awareness now of where this stuff pops up i hope that the next time i am able to give myself the grace that i wasn't able to this first time around Now, I'm not going to blame it on this, but also I really shouldn't have gotten into a relationship so soon after going no contact from my mother. (laughs) Like that was a really, really big lesson too, is that I thought the romantic relationship to romantic relationship, that gap of like two years, two plus years was what I needed. But um, it really turns out that the relationship I needed more space from was from, the relationship I have with my, well, I had with my mother. And it's really hard to kind of accept that right now. I'm not, I I, I haven't quite reached full acceptance that that was where I needed to take some, take some time. And I hope that like my whole point in sharing all this is not to it's like I said I don't even mention the names of the people that I was with because they're really not the important part of this story. The important part of the story is did I did I get the lesson and I'm not going to know until the next time some situation pops up and I make the decision that's actually right for me. The one thing I have the other thing I have learned is definitely that my I have a very low tolerance, and I am very sensitive to um, toxic patterns, unhealthy relationship patterns. I am very, very sensitive to those two things, like so incredibly sensitive. Because while I may not have had a healthy romantic relationship yet, um, I do try. I did try in this last one, um, and it. And, and in that respect, it's important to understand when somebody's just emo- emotionally unavailable to meet you where you're at. I didn't say I, I by no means was I perfect, but I did make attempts. And if I think that if someone if I had been with someone who had maybe done more work than I did, which, obviously, I wasn't ready for that. This is something I had to work through and learn about through the process that I went through of that, I am sure, um, because I was. I did go into it with my full faculties, you know, like I, I made the choice and I continued it and it was my choice. Um, But it's important to recognize people for where they're at and how it doesn't make them a good or bad person. It doesn't make you a good or bad person. If you can't tolerate um, what they're able to give, because everyone is in a different stage of life and they, They have what they have. And so the big thing really outside of just understanding that I really need to work on not gaslighting myself out of things that I know, that I can trust my body's responses um, and not have to like think myself out of what my physical body is telling me. But also that I just generally have a lower tolerance for bullshit than other people. And that's fine. And that's also why my, um, the people in my life, I can count on one hand and that's fine with me. Um, I don't need a lot of people. I just need really good quality people. And by that, I mean like people who I resonate with on some level. And that, that's a, bit of a harder pill to swallow at this point to be absolutely honest and hopefully hopefully my hodgepodge of thoughts on this on this subject help someone work through whatever they're working through because I think a lot of us resign ourselves to unhealthy relationships because it is hard to have healthy ones in order to have a healthy relationship you have to be in relation with someone who at least is doing some of the work some of the time and for somebody like me who does all of the work all of the time I'm just not going to resonate with a lot of people it's just not going to happen and that is hard for me to accept Um, because I do feel judgmental in that and I don't think it's necessarily judgment. It's just my own personal tolerance and I have to be okay with that. For someone else, this would have been fine. Like the, my, my trauma bonds would have been great for some other people. They just weren't for me. And I tried to make the best of the situation as I could, but I just, at some point, when you just cannot tolerate less than what you give, um, you need to be okay with walking away and not be stuck on the time you invested, the love you invested, the the you you invested into this other person. I, I don't think that I necessarily love in an unhealthy way, but I do think that I sacrifice myself just enough where I, I'm not able to look at myself in the mirror. And that is something that I'm hoping to remedy going forward. And I hope that maybe something here will help someone at least shine a light on what on their relationships or relationship whichever one if there's a specific one they're looking at or if it's all of them that they're looking at and one of the big sacrifices you make when you start healing is a lot of the relationships that are just not as functional as they look and you kind of have to that's a loss that you have to deal with and it sucks But it is something that we all have to deal with when you when you get on this road. So I hope this helps whoever it's supposed to help. And thanks for listening to me ramble about it, because like I said, I have thoughts, but they are, I'm still kind of working through it a little bit. So it's not um, it's not all kind of settled into place, but it's enough for me to be like, okay, I think I've gotten the big lessons out of it. There'll probably be some small ones over the course of time that'll come out, but those were the big ones for me. Uh, thanks so much for listening today. And I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You Cherished podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.